Thanks for listening to Dark Histories. Before we start, I just want to take a second to thank all the people who support the show and help make it sustainable, both on Patreon and by signing up to Audible via the Dark Histories affiliate link. You can find links to both of those in the show notes if you're interested, or you can help out just by sharing the show with people who you think might be interested, on social media or with all the good people you might know. Alright, let's get on with the episode. Cheers. During the early 1800s, medical education was making great strides in anatomy. Edinburgh was a central influence on the teaching of anatomy to enhance surgical understanding. However, in order to best teach anatomical knowledge, it was essential for lecturers to procure cadavers, dead bodies that they could dissect during practical lectures. The demand was far outstripping supply. Enter two men, William Burke and William Hare. This is Dark Histories, where the facts are worse than fiction. Welcome to Dark Histories Season 1, Episode 3. I'm Ben, this is Dark Histories, like I just said. This week we're going to be going up to Scotland for the early 19th century to look at two blokes, William Hare and William Burke. Now I first heard of these guys in a film, obviously named Burke and Hare, that's got Simon Pegg in it, and it's definitely worth watching. And in the film, their stories obviously fictionalised to a degree, but their factual story is totally bonkers as well. So let's get into it. This is Burke and Hare, The Westport Murders. In the early 19th century, Edinburgh was a leading city in the charge to bring anatomy to the world as a proper science. Alexander Monroe, John Bell, John Goodsir and Robert Knox were surgeons that all taught in Edinburgh, all of whom were central to the development of the science around the globe. Due to the nature of the lectures, human bodies were needed for dissections and demonstrations. However, Scottish law stated that only bodies of prisoners, suicide victims and orphans could be used for such a purpose. This naturally led to something of a shortage and some took advantage of this by robbing graves and selling the bodies, which were fetching a price as high as £10. That was several months' wages for a skilled workman, so the appeal was obvious. Grave robbing could be seen as a lucrative business for the enterprising individual who was willing to bend the law. The legal parameters of the time stated that disturbing a grave and taking belongings from the deceased was punishable, however... Taking the body itself was not an offence, as it did not technically belong to anyone. By the 1820s, grave robbing had become so widespread that citizens held a protest in the streets of Edinburgh. To deter grave robbers, people could hire slabs of stone to place on top of a grave for a period of time, allowing the body to decompose, making it useless as an anatomical subject, and therefore worthless to the grave robbers. Watchtowers were built in cemeteries manned by guards. Iron bars were installed over graves. The wealthiest could even hire private guards to sit and watch over a specific grave. William Burke was born in 1792 in County Tyrone, Ireland. He had a comfortable upbringing and a good education. He joined the army as a teenager, later marrying a fellow Irish woman. He attempted to settle down, However, after a family argument pertaining to land ownership in 1818, he fled from his wife and moved to Scotland, where he remarried a prostitute named Helen MacDougall. 
By 1827, they were settled in Edinburgh, and Burke was working as a cobbler, earning a decent living. William Hare was born in Ireland around the turn of the century. Little is known about his early life, however he is thought to have been illiterate, suggesting a poor background. He wound up moving to Edinburgh in the mid-1820s and worked as a coal man's assistant. He lodged in the house of a married couple and began having an affair with the wife, Margaret Logue. Upon detection of the affair, he was thrown out by the husband. However, he died soon after, whereby Hare swiftly moved back in and he and Margaret ran the lodging house as husband and wife. In 1827, Hare went to Midlothian to work on the harvest, where he met Burke. The two men promptly became friends, likely due to their shared Irish backgrounds. After returning to Edinburgh, they remained close, earning a reputation around the area for heavy drinking and loud behaviour. On the 29th of November, 1827, one of Hare's tenants, an old army pensioner who went by the name of Old Donald, died of dropsy. Unfortunately for Hare, the man owed £4 in back rent, and upon mentioning this to Burke, the pair came up with a plan to sell his body to recoup Hare's financial loss. After old Donald's body was laid into his coffin, Burke and Hare removed it, hid it under the bed and filled the coffin with wood bark. They resealed the coffin and it was later collected and buried with no one any the wiser. Burke and Hare then took the body to Edinburgh University where a student directed them to speak with surgeon Robert Knox. Robert Knox was an army physician serving in the Battle of Waterloo in 1815 and during the Cape Front War in South Africa. After his military career, he settled in Edinburgh, became a member of the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh and began teaching anatomy lectures twice a day, advertising a full demonstration on fresh anatomical subjects for each lecture. Robert Knox bought the body of Old Donald for £7.10. As Burke and Hare were leaving, one of Knox's assistants reportedly told the men that they would be glad to see them again when they have another to dispose of. In January of 1828, Burke saw a fresh opportunity presented to him by another lodger in his house. This tenant, named Joseph, had become ill, and so Burke and Hare, sensing another quick profit, saw fit to help him along a little. They fed Joseph whiskey, and then whilst Burke laid across his chest, Hare suffocated Joseph with a pillow. This left the body in good condition for the anatomists, and they promptly delivered Joseph's body to Robert Knox, who paid them £10 for the corpse. What followed was a flurry of murders, as the two men sensed there was good money to be made in the business of killing. In February of 1828, Burke and Hare met Abigail Simpson walking the streets late at night. She was an old pensioner who came to Edinburgh to sell salt. She was drunk and the pair invited her to stay at Hare's house where they gave her more alcohol and then promptly suffocated her. They put her body in an old tea chest and sold it to Robert Knox for £10. An English travelling salesman of matches and tinder was next. He was lodging at Hare's house when he fell ill with jaundice and so he simply had to go. He too was suffocated and his body was sold to Knox for £10. With their newfound wealth, Burke and Hare spent with abandon and their opulence was becoming a talking point. They explained away any rumours by telling people that they had inherited money, which people seemed to accept, 
However, with their increased spending, they had to increase their earnings. In April, Burke met two women, Mary Patterson and Janet Brown. They were prostitutes from the Canongate area of Edinburgh. He took them home and drank whiskey with them. Mary Patterson fell asleep, and MacDougall, seeing Janet Brown talking with Burke, accused him of having an affair. An argument ensued, and Janet Brown left the house. Burke and Hare smothered Mary Patterson in her sleep, and upon Janet's return to collect her friend, was told that she had already left for Glasgow with the travelling salesman. The pair took Mary's body to Knox and sold it for £8. One of Knox's assistants, however, thought he recognised the woman, probably having been a client of hers in the past, and he inquired how the men had come across the body. Burke explained this away, saying that she had drunk herself to death and that they had purchased her body from an old woman in Canongate. This was apparently enough to satisfy the surgeons. Throughout May, Burke and Hare killed Mrs Haldane, another lodger. She had become drunk and fallen asleep in the stable. She was suffocated and sold to Knox, as was her daughter who later, after drinking with Burke, fell asleep and was suffocated, fetching eight pounds from Knox. Shortly after, an unnamed old woman, another lodger, another drinking party with Burke, became another suffocation and ten pounds earned. Effie, a beggar woman who scavenged from bins and tips and in the past had told scraps of leather to Burke, was coaxed into the house with whiskey, where she was quickly dispatched and sold. Burke and Hare were becoming confident in their business, and when they met with a drunk woman who was being helped home by a police officer, Burke offered to take her home. The officer thankfully passed her over to the care of the men, who instead took them to Burke's house, killed her, and sold her to Knox for a further £10. In June, Burke and Hare killed two lodgers, an old woman and her grandson. The trusty chee chest that they had used to transport the bodies to Knox was not big enough to accommodate both bodies, and so they stuffed them inside a barrel, called a porter, and had him help them to transport it to Knox, who bought both bodies for £8 each. At the end of June, the pair took a well-deserved holiday. Burke and his wife MacDougall travelled to Falkirk to visit family. Hare was short on cash. However, upon their returning, Burke noticed that he had new clothes. He suspected Hare had been working alone and confirmed as such with Knox, who told Burke that Hare had sold a body to him for £8. This led to a rift in the partnership, but by September, Mrs Osler, a washerwoman, visited Hare's house to do the laundry. The pair got her drunk on whiskey and suffocated her, selling her body to Knox for £10. Their previous falling out was now water under the bridge, and in October, the pair killed a local mentally disabled beggar, James Wilson. He was well known in the area as Daft Jamie, and had club feet and a facial disfigurement. They kept his snuff box and snuff spoon, and they sold the body to Knox. However, being well known and having unique disfigurements, many of the assistants thought they knew of the boy. Knox denied the boy's identity as Darth Jamie and promptly removed his head and feet prior to the dissection. On the 31st of October, Burke led an old Irish woman named Margaret Doherty into the lodging house by telling her that his mother was also a Doherty from the same area of Ireland. Burke, Hare and their wives got drunk with the woman 
and paid two of the other lodgers, Anne and James Gray, to sleep elsewhere for the night, on the pretense that they would be drinking until late and they didn't want to inconvenience them. They murdered Margaret Doherty and left their body in a pile of hay at the end of the bed. The Greys returned early the next morning and they became suspicious when the men would not allow Anne to look for her clothing around the room that Margaret Doherty's body now lay. Later that evening, when they were left alone, the Greys searched the hay and they found Margaret's body and rushed out to tell the police. Burke's wife, McDougall, met them en route to the police station and offered them £10 a week for their silence. They refused and they made their report. Meanwhile, Burke and Hare took the body to Knox and sold it for a final £10. The next day, the police visited Knox, identified the body of Margaret and promptly arrested Burke, Hare and both of their wives. Upon searching the homes of Burke and Hare, items of clothing of victims were found, as were the snuff box and snuff spoon of Jamie Wilson. Due to lack of bodies or evidence, however, Many of the murders had little to no evidence on which to convict the men. Hare was promised immunity if he confessed to the murders, which would also include his wife's safety from prosecution. He gave a full confession, implicating both him and Burke in the murder of Mary Doherty, Mary Patterson and James Wilson. On Christmas Day of 1828, Burke was found guilty as charged, with the penalty being the sentence of death by hanging. Helen McDougall was given a verdict of not proven, so avoided any prosecution. Helen McDougall was released from jail on the 26th of December 1828. She was driven from Edinburgh by a ravenous public, and she made sail to Australia where she died in a house fire in 1868. Margaret Hare, despite having immunity from prosecution, was held in jail for her safety. She was released on the 19th of January 1829 where she fled to Ireland and was not seen from again. William Burke was hanged on the 28th of January 1829. His body was taken to Edinburgh University where it was dissected as part of an anatomy lecture. Later his skeleton was preserved and put on display where it remains to this very day. William Hare was released from prison on the 5th of February 1829. He fled to London where he was rumoured to live as a beggar on the streets until his death, though there were reliable sightings that placed him in Carlisle alive and well. Dr Robert Knox was not charged nor prosecuted for his part in the murders. He was cleared of any complicity during an inquiry which agreed that he had no knowledge of murder whilst procuring the subjects for his lectures. Public opinion was against him, however, and so eventually was professional. He became shunned by his peers, and eventually he moved to London, where he held a medical practice in Hackney until his death in 1862. Up the close and doing the stair, Barton Ben with Burke and Hare. Burke's the butcher, Hare's the thief, knocks the boy that buys the beef. Burke and Hare is quite a small one this week. It's not really a mystery either, but you know, there's some we can talk about it a little bit. So we'll do that after the short adverts coming up, a little bit of capitalism, you know, taking a cue from Burke and Hare. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. 
Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Having. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. Ads are a pain in the butt, right? So do you want to know a good way to avoid listening to them? If you sign up to Dark History's Patreon, you get ad-free versions of the show with early access to episodes, access to bonus content, stickers, exclusive discounts on the t-shirt store, and all that other good stuff. You get content from me, you get videos, I give like little running commentary and behind the scenes of how I make the show. And by being a member, you're directly supporting the show. You can sign up for as little as $1 per month and you can help make Dark Histories the best it can be. For more information, check out our website at darkhistories.com or pop over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash darkhistories. Right, enough of all that. Thanks for listening and let's get back to the episode. These guys, oh my gosh. Now, I struggle with this one because... The first I heard of them, like I say, was the William um, Simon Pegg film, Burke and Hare, which I, I totally recommend. It's a completely dark as all hell comedy. It, it mixes fact with fiction in, in a quite good way in that it gets all the right, it gets a lot of the facts right that it needs to, and then it kind of fudges a lot of other stuff and sort of makes a story and a fiction out of it. There's a whole storyline about Burke being a prostitute who wanted to act on stage and he kind of funded her a dream, I guess, with this money from killing people. Um, yeah, which is all kind of shoehorned in, which is not true. None of it's true. But the the facts side of it, like the, the people they killed and in what order and who they were and all the rest of it, that's actually pretty spot on, as well as it sort of goes into some of the ideas of grave robbing. So, I mean... I'm not recommending it as like a history film anyway, but it's de- it's definitely a great comedy. But I say it's cool that it does kind of hit the right notes in terms of it, it, it remains kind of true to the real story whilst kind of making something more out of it for, for the screen, I guess. So yeah, I definitely recommend that if you can go to it. If you like Simon Pegg, you know, I, I mean, I, I think he's brilliant. It's so, if you're into Simon Pegg or black comedies, it's well worth a watch. But the problem I have is that that was the first I ever heard of them was this black comedy with Simon Pegg. So now I find it really hard to read their story without kind of finding it somewhat amusing because I'm always thinking back to Simon Pegg as Burke, which it doesn't help, like the mental image of things. But but not only that, I, I find the audacity quite incredible from Burke and Hare. Just the way they just went and just did what they wanted. The, the, the fact that they approached a policeman and said, oh, we'll take that lady home. And then instead of that, they took her back to their house, killed her and sold her. That is inc- 
incredibly bold and I mean you might say stupid it's either stupidity or just an incredible level of arrogance to think that they could get away with that well I mean the fact is though they did get away with it you know it wasn't that that was never the problem so I find they're just their audacity and it makes you wonder who was really the bad guy I mean obviously they were not the good guys you'd never call them the good guys but Knox, you know, he had a great role to play in this. He, he's enabling all of this and he totally got away. I suppose not scot-free because he had to move because kind of the opinion turned against him, but he, he got away with it legally and probably would well have gotten away with it morally as well if it was a few years earlier. It was only because it was at a point where you know, people were getting their, seeing Braves, graves being robbed all the time, that they kind of turned against him, I guess. He got away pretty lightly, considering he was essentially enabling the whole affair. And, you know, you've got to think as well, this is just Burke and Hare. This is all we know. Oh, and how many other people was he buying bodies from that were murderers? I, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but... I would suggest, or, or at least this story suggests, that he was quite cavalier about buying bodies. If he sent his assistant to tell them, you know, when you get some more bodies, bring them in and we'll buy them. He's obviously well accustomed to buying bodies from murderers. So, yeah, he got away with it pretty, pretty scot-free, really. Pretty, or at least very lightly. But, yeah, I mean, that's Burke and Hare, so it's not really a mystery this week. So... Uh, pretty short episode really I, I guess I'll leave it there if you want to contact me you can do so go to darkhistories.com you'll find all the social links all the email links and all the, the links to support us on Patreon and Coffee and Amazon Wishlist and all things like that and that's pretty much all I'm going to say about that because I hate all this kind of self-promotion stuff you kind of got to do it but I hate it Anyway, moving on. That's Birkenhair. I hope you enjoyed it. Say it was really short this week, but you know, it is what it is. Still a good story, I think. It's an interesting and dark piece of history. So yeah, it fits dark histories, I guess. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all very soon. Take care. Sleep tight. <laughs>